Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Dungeons and Junkies presents Escape from Wolfham, Episode 40, On the Road Again. Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome back to my wonderful, yet terrible, yet horrifying world of Escape from Wolfham. I am Chad, today's Dungeon Master, and most of the people in this wonderful world of my construction but we do have a few others who aren't me, so let's find out who they are today. Let's start with Matt. Hi, Matt, and I'm playing Detective White Sandton of Ganymede PD. Uh, homicide detective by day, superhero by night, also a Power Ranger, everyone's best friend. Nobody hates him at all. Not a single person. No, no, there's definitely not repercussions from things or anything like that. Oh yeah, and don't worry, I'm not currently contagious. Correct. Any more terrifying than the words currently contagious. <laughs> well, on that note, let's go to the first one who was quite upset by this news. Let's go to Damien. He upset a day. I'm Caitlin, I play Damien, because <laughs> I never get called by my actual name in all parts. I don't know what that says about me. I play Damien, the Air Genasi Warlock Shadow Sorcerer who doesn't have his bird right now and is dealing with all these idiots whilst also examining the concept of his imminent demise. You know, thanks Chad. Woo, trauma! On that note, on the trauma train, choo-choo, let's head on over to Carrie. Yay? Question mark? But hello, I am Carrie, and I will be playing very Nathine, the Wood Elf Warlock slash Wizard. Princess Mar Sparkles, all love, sometimes fight. Afraid of Wyatt if he's contagious. Afraid of most things, to be honest with you. Yes, and finally, <laughs> we go to Alex. Yes, hi, I'm Alex, and today I am playing Avery, the Azamara wizard with catching toes named Sylvie. That is all. Yes, so no mucking around. Let's just jump right into Last Time on Escape from Wolfarm. Last time, the party found them still some found themselves still the guests of the Band of Atomism, still residing in the giant glass pyramid on the outskirts of Ganymede. The gang, through some things, found out some more information. Fact that Wyatt is infected with said black goo, and they had a little bit of an out over that. Wyatt also tried to shoot 
Avery's familiar, his cat, which didn't happen. We're all thankful about that. Knives seem to have taken a very sudden turn for the very extreme worst, and Doc, the medical warforged, basically said that his time on this plane is not long. You also once again met with General Calypso, but we still have not left the pyramid. And as Damien and Virian stood in the precipice, Wyatt walking down the stairs to check for supplies, and Avery standing in front of his room thinking about it. Time flashes forward, about eight hours, where things happened, and those things happened behind the scenes for each of our four player characters. But we jump right back in after those eight hours have passed. The camera zooming in through the ground floor of the Band of Atomism's Pyramid, kind of zooming down a hallway, hitting the main corridor, and taking a right before zooming by the medical examiner's office door and the painting that you know leads down to the wards. It goes a little farther before it stops on another door in this hallway, on the other side of the hall, one that you hadn't seen before. But from the other side of the door, you can hear the workings and kind of fires burning and the bubbling of chemicals and other such fluids as the camera kind of goes straight through the door and we find Avery hard at work in an arcane laboratory with the quote-unquote blood of Damien in front of him. But Avery, you've spent the entire night working. What, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, what is Avery up to? I think, well... I'd say after examining the, um, interesting liquid some more, obviously he got round to making a spell because he had this idea that would have been perfect when he was surrounded by those weird dog alien things. So he is probably at this point just finishing up making that spell, putting it onto paper, as he's probably, obviously he would have tidied up at before he started going back to paper because it's not his lab so he would have made sure it was spotless once he was done but he's just probably finishing up writing this spell into his book Avery as you finish putting this spell into your spell book the spell that would have helped you while you were in Cazador's dimension but at this point you don't know what it might help you with but Better safe than sorry. And as you finish up the last stroke of the quill into your spell book and you feel kind of the magic emanate and kind of sink in and almost kind of burn itself into this page of your book, suddenly you hear a loud metallic kind of knock at the door. I tried to open the door. Uh, the... Invisible hand appears and the door just opens quite easily and you see kind of squatting down and staring in you see the huge silver warforged dock staring at you Oh 
of I, I'm sorry, I've no one's used this lab in years. I just was trying to figure out what was going on. Um, sorry if I wasn't allowed to ever lean at something to use it. Oh no, no, I'm 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 not upset in the slightest. I I just I haven't heard the I heard sounds coming from this room and I thought we were under attack after last night's visitor came in. Visitor? Oh, yes, I suppose you haven't been able to speak to General Calypso yet. Uh, well, uh, yes, I'm sure she will, uh, brief you on that. Uh, that is far above my pay grade. So, yes, um, uh, have you been down here all night? I kind of lost track of time, to be honest, so, um, I guess so. Yes, it's, it's the morning at this point, Avery. I should probably get some coffee and find the others, then. No, no, not, not an issue at all. I'll, feel free if you have any use of this lab. And you see that Doc kind of steps in a little bit so that his head and he kind of looks around the room and... And if, I mean, especially if you're going to use such finesse and clean up after yourself, you can feel free to use this lab whenever you want. I can't get that mind. Right. Uh, well, I had better go check on the two I have downstairs. Uh, Avery, you have a great day. Yeah, you too, Doc. And you see the massive silver warforged head uh, kind of bend back out before you hear him clomping down the hallway. Not that far before you hear the painting itself slide out of place and you hear him clomping downstairs before the sound dissipates. Once Avery's done and finishes packing away his um, spellbook in Arcane Grimoire, he'll um, pick up his cloak that Sylvie's been sleeping in before popping her in the hood and tying the cloak back around his robes. And going to get some, yeah, going to get some coffee for anything. Yeah, you can uh, definitely make your way towards um, the cafeteria. You know the way. You've been here now for a couple days. And Avery, you pick up the rest of your remaining things, put the last few vials and bottles and other accoutrements back in its place before you stand up and make your way out into the hallway and begin to make your way towards the cafeteria. The camera, as it kind of follows behind Avery, kind of swoops and speeds ahead before making its way back to the main hallway and kind of whipping up the huge flight of stairs that head all the way up and up and up until we reach the very precipice of the pyramid and the camera going through the massive steel doors that lead up here. Find ourselves once again, the windows all open, the wind kind of howling through as this storm outside rages even harder than before. The rain just pelting all of these glass windows and the lightning and thunder just almost happening every few seconds. But even amongst all of this chaos, in the middle of the room, you see a Ganassi, who almost seems the most serene that you can seem when your whole world seems to be falling apart around you. But you see Damien, 
in the middle of this precipice, spending these eight hours just up here by themselves. But Damien, what's up? Ah, oh, what's up? He's screaming. I think since Virion left to go do whatever he wanted to do, Damien hasn't actually moved. He's kind of just been frozen in place. Because my guy doesn't really sleep much. His version of sleep is like 10 minute power naps while stood perfectly still. Because you've got to be on alert when you travel alone. So it's kind of, he doesn't have time for long periods of sleep. So he's kind of just been on and off, occasionally listening to the wind, occasionally kind of screaming down my connection with the Raven Queen, like, what the fuck? And, you know, trying not to bleed heavily. Damien, make me a perception check. Damien, as you're standing in place, not moving, staring out these windows, you suddenly hear a murmuring of a voice, like, right behind you, you think. As you spin around to look behind you, there's no one there. I kind of, like, I close my eyes and just try and, and, like, stop breathing. I'm just trying to cut off every other sense so so that my hearing is all focused and I'm just trying to sense what this thing is saying. Damien, as you hold your breath and almost stop the heartbeat in your own chest as you stand there trying to listen, you hear nothing at this time. Just the sound of the wind howling through this precipice. But you know you heard a voice a minute ago. You know you, you heard something. But there's nothing here. Just the sound of lightning and thunder reverberating, almost shaking the very pyramid that you reside in. As some of these bolts of lightning strike so close, the sound of thunder almost hitting simultaneously. You're losing it again. Dame's gonna go, like, check on the supplies and things he told Wyatt to gather and see whether we're prepared to actually leave because this is getting to a point where Damien's antsy to get out of here. He doesn't like being in one place for too long. Damien, with another couple quick looks around this big open area and the open air of the precipice once again looking about seeing no one the last person you saw Evelina informing you that the general would be busy until the next morning but besides that there's no one up here besides you as you give one last look around with a mighty heave you open the double steel doors that lead to the staircase down and you begin to make your way back down to the main hallway but as Damien opens these steel doors, the camera actually zooms by Damien. And going down, not that many flights, maybe only about three flights of stairs, 
or it stops and makes a sharp right into a little quad of four doors. And as the camera does, it almost seems to knock on one of the doors before just zooming straight through and you see sipping a cup of tea awake, kind of just almost seemingly lost in their own sparkly thoughts. You see Virian sitting at the little desk with paper in front of them, their spell book in one spot, a cup of tea next to it. But Virian, what's up? Just ever been more terrifying to me in my life. Virian, after his conversation with Damien, went down to get some more tea. Then, um, went back to his room, cried for a bit, tranced for a bit, not necessarily in that order. Now he's just kind of sat there with his tea, looking through the spell book, not really looking at it as he's lost in his own thoughts. It's just very, very absent. Virian, you sitting there by yourself, kind of just staring at your spell book. And you suddenly feel kind of the twinge in the back of your head as you see kind of the steam rising from your still hot cup of tea somehow, kind of almost slow in the air as you're suddenly just pulled into your mindscape and you find yourself sitting in an actual very like comfy reclining chair with big overstuffed arms and overstuffed back with a nice little table sitting in front of you with a teacup sitting there and across from you with his one leg crossed over and holding a teacup, you see Taryn sitting. This is unexpected. Yes, well, I, as Taryn lifts and kind of sips from the teacup, I assumed that you would probably need something from me at this point. It seems like every time something happens to you or anyone in your group, you turn to me, so I thought I'd just get ahead of it and, you know, jump the line, if you will, and just figure out what you needed from me now so I can get back to doing what I want to do. Baron just takes a key story for time. I'm not sure any of us know what we're doing at the moment, so you know I'm not the only one for once. Yes, but you've put on such a brave face in front of all of your friends recently. Talking to General Calypso in such a way. Standing up for yourself and your compatriots. It's its amazing to see, Master Nafine. Darian. Pulls a face that's like the equivalent of sucking on a lemon piss. Because he hasn't been called that since he was an infant. 
and it feels really, really patronizing. Well, guess the next step then is to gather everyone up and go. Because we can't stay here forever. Oh no, you certainly can't stay here forever. There's... Oh no. <laughs> I've heard of these people before. Great people, but their life expectancy is <laughs> short. <laughs> know of these people? Oh, Master Nafine, of course I know of these people. I've spent, let's see, how many years did I spend on Isla Diablo? And with the Mithral at my hands, I could just scour the universes for any bit of knowledge and power that I had ever desired. No, it changed me. It was worth it in the end. Aaron, thanks for a moment. These people, okay. We've been here a while, yet I don't really understand what they're about. The band of atavism would mostly have it that way. They're just a bunch of goody two-shoes who are so concerned with everyone else's problems that they can help fix that they're always getting themselves killed. Do you remember the beggars who would come around back in the day trying to get into the school? Yes. The band is the type who would take those beggars in instead of turning them away at the door like a established institution should. Before he did take them in, mysteriously turned up dead. Quite. Well, we couldn't have the academies falling into ruin like the 6R Academy did so many eons ago. Uh, DM, am I aware that's the academy Avery went to? Oh yeah, yeah, you, Avery mentioned it while he was dropping his knowledge bomb on General Calypso. Well, he, not specific in what happened to him in those memories, but did stating that he was dropped into his memories of his time at the Academy. Alright, just double-checking. I have to break the news to him. Hearing probably quite noticeably shrinks back at the mention of the Academy's being destroyed. Well, it's clear that you haven't figured out what you 
actually want yet, so yes, I would suggest packing up, getting on the road, figuring out where to go next. Seems to be your favorite thing, huh? Running off, changing one's name, changing one's goals. best part is Barry doesn't really have a good answer to that. Because nothing about it is technically untrue. What? Why are we in this situation? And I don't mean my compatriots, I mean you and I. You see Taryn take a very long sip from his tea, staring you dead in the eye, not breaking his gaze at all for lowering the tea. We are in this situation, Mr. Nafeen, because your wonderful contract, because of your lack of skill and lack of faith in yourself, the one whose contract you are in with plucked me from the void before I could be consumed and shoved me into the book. And now I am tied to you, Master Nathine. But it is your name, is it not? Master Nathine. It's the longest exhale in the world. No, no, it's not. At least not anymore. Right, yes. <laughs> Run away from the past. Wise decision. Well, I will be here. When you need me, I am sure. Better hurry. Your powerful friend is making their way down the stairs already. Hope they don't blow the place up. And you see Terran take a long sip from his glass of tea before... You're suddenly just once again sitting at the desk, just kind of staring at the spellbook. Your tea still steaming. Aaron closes the spell, but with a big snap. And then, in what has to be said is quite a stroppy fashion, we'll get up, taking the book with him, and stomp out of the room. Furion slamming this book closed and shoving it into the like carrier you have for it. Almost, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but almost like an angry teenager kind of just turning around and slamming their chair back into this desk that they have before storming towards the door. And as they do, the camera once again, almost in hyperspeed, kind of, kind of zooms and goes straight through the door before going zigzag and going directly and knocking for a second before shooting through the door into Detective Wyatt Stan's room. 
And Detective Wyatt is also studying over the desk. But in front of him, you see the Power Ranger encyclopedia. As he pages through it, his morpher up next to it. And you can see him hitting buttons on it. As you can see little, uh, like a little beeping sound is heard. Deet, deet, deet. Download confirmed. But Detective Wyatt, what's up? Well, what's up is... With one of his hands bandaged from, from what happened last time, that, that it was just like comparatively a paper cut. Um, why well, it would have spent several hours um, going through the encyclopedia, like a better term, and learning about not only certain weapons, but also certain attacks those weapons can do. And his morpher is able to unlock certain ones, but it takes time to obviously install them. So he's been doing that for the last few hours. Uh, I, I will remind you, Wyatt, that that cut did almost immediately heal after Damien walked out of the room. So at this point, you're almost just wearing the bandage as camouflage to say that there's probably still a cut there, even though there is not. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's there because, uh, well, tough. To appear tough anyway. Wyatt, as you're... Morpher says download complete, and you kind of close the book, uh, this encyclopedia for now. You kind of let out a deep sigh as you look around the room. And then as you are, Morpher says download complete, you suddenly hear your Morpher kind of make a droop. It like kind of seems to power up for a second. And can you make me a investigation check, please? Never done that before. Investigation um, is a seventeen on it. Why? What color is your morpher? Um, it's sort of like a bit boxy. So it's like a like a black sort of box with various different buttons all over it. There is no screen as such, it's more like just like key in sort of thing. There's no visible screen. It sort of like projects like a HUD so you can see what's going on sort of thing. Wyatt, as you're looking at your morpher and it kind of makes this like powering up noise, you suddenly see the morpher itself almost liquefy a bit as you see the very design of it almost, and the best way to say this is evolve, where it becomes a actual seamless almost cuff around your arm. The actual buttons kind of become just actually not there, but you can still see that they're there, but they're like inlaid. And as you do an actual perfect like projection LCD screen pops up in perfect 3D that shows you a scan of this room around you immediately. And you see the color of it becomes an almost onyx-like black. As the um, morpher actually almost takes up your entire forearm at this point. Okay. 
have you away from him to do that. As you're holding your arm up and investigating it, suddenly the little LCD kind of turns on and you see a projection of your room, like in a perfect 3D mapping of it. And suddenly the actual mapping extends out into the hallway and you see a little sparkly dot actually exit from one of the rooms and like standing in the little kind of foyer area between all of the different rooms. Okay, that's... That must be either Vivian or this Morpheus malfunctioning. Hmm. I spent enough time in here anyway. I guess I should go and meet up the others. We should probably get to work. Wyatt would like wave a hand over his Morpha as if to say like as if to cancel it away and head out. Wyatt, as you wave your hand through this 3D map, the map turns off and this entire like forearm she goes and it literally moves all the way down almost to just looking like a wristwatch now on your arm. And Wyatt, you stand up from the desk and as you open the door to your room, you see Virian just closing their bedroom door. Vip! Don't mind. Virian probably comes around the corner. He's muttering under his breath. Whether or not it's in, whether it's in common or in Elvish, he's a bit up in the air. Hello, Wyatt. I. Are you okay? Well, to be completely truthful with you, I have been much, much better. I... I... Do you... Yes. And can I help with anything? No, that was nothing you could do. But anyway... How have you been? Um... Well... I'm not contagious. It's a good start. Which is, which is the main thing, obviously. Well, not at the moment, anyway. That, that was the key word the doctor said. Can't let Calypso know I've got it in me. There's no way it should let me uh, back in here again if you found that out. Baron gives a half smile. I'll keep your secrets, don't worry. Uh, yeah, um, Morph has changed a bit as well. It's a. Uh, I guess an upgrade? Someone else be watching out for me, I guess. Frowning at the idea of someone watching like you. Um, is there anything I can help you with? You seem troubled. No, it's um, it's personal. 
Well, I know that we haven't. I say we. I know that I've been a bit of a dick. But if you need me, I'm here. Appreciate that. Okay. It does sound good, but I do have to. I've. We've got to get out of here. We can't stay here forever. Yeah, I. That's true. Um, is it, are we meeting down personally? How are we getting back to town? I'm not entirely sure yet. How is, um. Why didn't you say saying his name? It like looks upwards. Because that's the last place you knew that it was. I understand you mean well, but that's not really. It's not really my place to disclose that kind of thing. No, that's fair. I was wondering if. I don't suppose you've seen Avery on your travels, have you? I need to pet that cat of his. Hey! <laughs> I saw briefly earlier, but um, that was when I was being shooed away from. I bought you guys coffee at. So, yeah, I haven't seen since, unfortunately. For the record, Virion probably would have given Damien his coffee. Because coffee just makes Virion even more anxious than normal. Right. Well, I'm going to go and find him. Okay. Um. I will, uh. I'm gonna go. I guess wait in the Eclipse's office so we can get out of here. That's it. As you two both make your way uh, out of this little hallway where the rooms are, you make your way to the stairs, and if by perfect destiny or fate, Damien is rounding the corner of this last staircase, and you see Damien, all three of you now, kind of intersect at the exact same moment on this uh, balcony, not, it's not balcony, whatever it is, like a plateau, whatever that's called, a landing, there we go, a landing of this staircase. How you doing, man? Oh, baby. I didn't even know you properly. Why does the bandage? At all, it seems. Oh, great. Everyone gets upgrades and super healing, and I get a fucking aneurysm. Not entirely sure, but he was a positive. I think it's sort of side effects from, you know. Um. Which, by the way, not contagious. Now. I can I no go for now. saying if you were contagious before, or if you'll be contagious in ten minutes. I can only go with what I know now. Aaron's gonna kind of edge away. Yeah. Keep searching for the wizard. Fair about wizard of us. While these two argue about what does constitute as a proper naming and what doesn't. <laughs> 
I kind of shout after Virian. <laughs> if they're gonna be anywhere, they'll probably be in the canteen. Thumbs up from a distance. Virian, nice. you make your way down the stairs, um, leaving Fear, <laughs> leaving Damien and Wyatt alone on this landing. Did you actually get round to doing anything with the supplies, or did you spend all night making out with your morpher? I guess it's probably before I went. Before I went and did that, yes. I did it on the way. I. The map benefit, which, which kind of surprise was it? It's been a few For weeks. For us to leave this place? Oh, I, I stopped up on. I, I I went to the canteen and I stopped up on uh, food and things like that and other supplies, weaponry and things. We've got all the stuff, all our gear, of course, so. Then it kind of stares in. This man has never stepped out the city and it shows. And we'll go find more survival rooted stuff. Because. I guarantee he hasn't thought of, like, a sleeping roll or anything. Or, you know, rope. Why, you do remember that in your getting food and such, you set this all in kind of this entry area that exits one part of the pyramid, not where you came in, Damien, but a different exit to this pyramid. And you remember that as you were there, uh, Aldrich actually was there, and he kind of just gave you some, like, He's like, oh, here. And they just hand you some, like, backpacks that had things like sleeping rolls and tents and those such things. So as you kind of think back, you're like, oh, shit, they grab that stuff. Uh, yeah, my bad. That, that's over there as well. Yes, well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go check the stuff that I'm, I've used to survive in the past is there. That's fair. That's fair. Wyatt, you can tell Damien exactly how to get there. It's just a different corridor off the main passage. Okay. So you go down this that corridor, and then actually, first mm, off, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and show you using my the, the map on, on the middle on the on the wall first. Uh. Wyatt, as you poke the wristwatch, Damien, you see the, like, wristwatch extend and cover the forearm before a little, like, holographic map of the entryway appears. And Wyatt points, uh, and a little kind of X forms on this, uh, corridor that actually goes under the stairs. Yes, and that's where you gotta go. Please tell me you haven't been able to do this this whole time. No, this is, this is this last few hours. Okay, good. Because if you had had this in the hospital, I would dismember you right here, right now. Believe me, it would have been very useful in the hospital. Now, it's only since I managed to get hold of this book on the library. So. You have my knife. Um, I think so. Well, unless you throw it in the bin after pulling it out of your skin. Why it will spin it in his hand and hand it back to Damien. Hand off first. Damien gives you like a side eye at the spin and then does like an elaborate over the fingers twirl with it. 
just kind of raises an eyebrow like fucking primary bits and will go to where the supplies are not acknowledging or giving any appreciation towards this weird hollow map he's got anything you can do I can do better <laughs> eh. anything better than you <laughs> I don't care I don't care I don't care I don't care <laughs> And Damien kind of, even with not like the full on like jock shoulder uh, check, but just a small one as he brushes by you, Wyatt, without giving any kind of like thank you to it before Damien makes their way down the stairs towards the corridor that you pointed out, leaving you now alone here on the landing once again. I was going to make sure that Fandel's not around and then... Head to Calypso, pick up his stuff, and then head to where uh, Calypso's office is because that's where he told Virion he was going to be. Fantastic. Uh, so Wyatt kind of absorbing the shoulder check and not even, you know, not making any moves towards it, just taking the kind of, you know, dick move and just rolling with it. You turn and you begin to make your way down this long staircase as well. But the camera kind of zooms over your shoulder, zooming past uh, Damien and kind of zooming as a sparkly elf actually made their way quite quickly down the staircase, almost running as you reach the main hall. And as you do, Avery walks out of the hallway from the medical examiner's like area hall and you find yourself staring like across the way at Avery. Morning. Morning. Tell Virin is looking for the cat. And then leaps down to go say hi. Virin just busies himself with scratching the cat in the head. See the others at all? Yes. The last time I saw them, they were arguing about what counts as a proper maiming. So I decided to leap into it. Oh, interesting bunch. That's fine. Yeah. Something we probably should get out of here today, really. Well, that is the plan, yes. Then let's go and talk to her now. This instant, why not? I'll be able to. No catch up. Right. Sounds like a plan. No. Hold out my hand so see if we can climb back up into the third. Burn or head off. At quite a quick pace, actually. Avery will take note of that in Polyvarian. Fantastic. Uh, so you're heading towards Calypso's office? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, you guys make it there without too much discourse. It's off of the main hallway. You just have to go through the basically north, down the north corridor, make a couple turns, and keep heading north until you reach the door at the end of the hall. And as you do, you see the double doors. Uh, 
waiting there for you. They're closed. Uh, you do see Aldrich standing outside of these double doors. Uh, just kind of standing there, not really paying attention. Morning. Oh, hey, uh, hey, 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 you two. Uh, where's, uh, where's the other two? I'll catch up. Oh, uh, alright. Well. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fine. Uh, the Calypso's in there. Thank you. Brian will knock before he lets himself in anyway. Because you know that's polite. Uh, you knock on the door and you hear Calypso. Yes, come in. Are you following in as well, Avery? Yeah. Uh, can I get perception checks from both of you? Moment, I've left my sheet. My tablet sheet is. 22. Like the absolute genius I am, I didn't actually turn my tablet on. <laughs> I'm still in the process of transferring all my sheets to paper. It's a, a slow process, as is most things I do. Come on, how do you ancient computer faster than that? Twenty-one. Uh, what did you roll again, Avery? Uh, twenty-two. And Fifteen plus seven. Virian. Twenty-one. Fifteen plus six. As you both enter into these uh, Calypso's kind of war room area, you immediately see Calypso bent over, staring at a map that's spread out over the giant table, but. To her left, you see someone wearing a kind of dirty black looking poncho that is covering like their whatever clothes they're wearing under. Uh, you can see kind of like dripping with water and you can see a hood that's hanging off the back. But what you can see right away, you can't see their face as they're it's obscured by kind of like shaggy, longish blonde hair. Uh, but you can see their hands, which are kind of a pale green color as they seem to be in conversation with Calypso as they're pointing at things on this map. Just look at Avery and like a, you know this guy? Anything worth noting to have a different gander at him apart from the dirty poncho and the blonde hair? Uh, you can make me a investigation check. I will do so. And that is probably a note. Uh, what the hell do I get to investigation? 14 all in. Avery, as you kind of try and size up this person or whoever, whomever they are standing next to General Calypso, you really can't discern anything about their face as their kind of shaggy, longish blonde hair is hanging down so that it obscures all of it. And all you can really see is on their hand, they have a black ring uh, on the hand that they're pointing at things on the um, map to Calypso with. Uh, but besides that, you can't really even hear what their voice is as they're kind of talking like very, like Calypso and this person are talking very like hushedly under their breaths. 
Uh, General Calypso does look up. Oh, hello. All right. Um, what's just the two? Where are the rest of you? I'll catch up. Well, right. Um, uh, she kind of turns and looks at this shaggy blonde individual who still has their head down over this map. Did you want to introduce yourself or did you want me to say something? And you see this shaggy blonde person kind of stand up and they raise their the hand with the ring on of it and they kind of swoop the hair out of their forehead. And as the two of you stare at this person, Virian, you see it right away. It's you're staring at knives or you're what? And as you stare deep into this person's face, it looks exactly like knives. And as you kind of look down, you can see as the poncho and they stand up, the poncho kind of gives you more of a look at their build. They they look exactly like knives in their face, but they're a bit more muscular. They seem a bit more rugged. And as they're standing up, you can see that they're wearing like dark black kind of like pants and they have very uh, like dirty boots on that seem to go all the way up. But you can see this thick soles on the boots and like the tight uh, laces that are on there. You can see they're clearly like adventuring boots or like hiking boots kind of made for the, you know, rough and tumble. And as the poncho kind of lays, you can see on their left hip the kind of outline of a large hand cannon. Okay. Given what I saw down in the infirmary, what kind of vibe do I get from this guy? Uh, as you stare at this knives, almost looking exactly like knives, you get a air of confidence as he just stares back at the two of you. But what you gather immediately is an air of unknowing as he kind of sizes both of you up. And from your interactions and enough social gatherings, and Avery, you catch this quite easily as well. This person, whoever they are, has never seen you before in their lives. Very much brought up in a very well-to-do family. So any sort of, wait a minute, something doesn't feel entirely right here. It's, it's well hidden. He's just going to keep quiet for a minute. You see this green-skinned, shaggy, blonde-haired individual kind of looking you up both and down before settling on you, Virian, and looking directly at you. Well, looks like you must have known my brother. Are you twins, perhaps? Yep. Can I insight what you say? Uh, you can. Oh dear, I'm not going to get insight. Okay, that's 18 plus 2. That's a pencil. This uh, green-skinned, shaggy, blonde-haired individual is telling you the 100% truth. As far as they know. In that case, I'm sorry if I was 
staring. It's been a strange time. Well, it seems that my brother has uh, passed away. And as he holds up his left hand, you see the ring on his finger that's all black. Might not talk to him in many, many years, but you know, I always thought we'd, you know, come back together or something bad happened to him. Oh, I, I apologize. I apologize. My, my, my manners, my manners. Um, Vash, Vash. And you see him kind of come around and uh, offer his hand. I'll shake this guy's hand. You uh, shake this guy's hand and you get a very firm handshake. And you kind of feel the bones in your hand, like, crack a little bit. It's not, like, to the point he's trying to hurt you or anything. You can just see he has a very firm grip. Oven boy has made a dangerous ass, so, you know. Um, Virian, nice to meet you. Well, nice to meet you as well. Uh, and he will turn to you, Avery. Uh, Vash. Avery. Good to meet you, but even though it's under unfortunate circumstances. I take it you didn't uh, know my brother very well. You didn't have the same reaction as your friend did here. No, unfortunately I only met him in his later stage here. But he uh, seemed like a good guy. Uh, at this point... Uh, Wyatt, you reach the doors of Calypso's office and you can hear both Avery and Virian talking to someone. Still, still mad to obviously not before you enter. That's not his room, so. Uh, as you knock Wyatt, the door kind of just slides open as, uh, Avery and Virian didn't close it that tightly behind them, so you're not kind of just the door kind of creaks open. Hello? Uh, as you step in, all sound kind of stops in the room. All sound stops in the room for a second as everyone just kind of turns to stare at the door. Alright, Grizzly walks in, knowing that if you took them in here, he's probably going to fall in love with her all over again. Wyatt, you step into the room and you see Avery and Virian standing next to a shaggy blonde Knives who looks much bulkier as he's shaking Avery's hand. Okay. Wyatt is going to die. Oh, Varen should have bought his violin. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, I can't die if he is not in the room to see it. You calls this Willis. Oh dear. Mm. 
knives? You see the shaggy blonde individual turn to look at you. Oh, oh, you must have known my brother as well. Uh, no, 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 um, Vash. Vash. Oh, well, well, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Vash, Vash means something else. Um, where I come from, sorry, sorry. Um, pleasure to meet you. Right, right. And you see, uh, this shaggy blonde individual reach their hand out and shake yours. Impressive weapon you have there. Why, yes, um, my brother and I have a match and sit. Oh, um, well, I'm, are you here to see him or something? I... Oh, no, no need to, uh, play coy there, uh, sir. Um, and he holds up his left hand and you can see the ring on it. We, uh, might have parted on not the best of terms, but we always uh, had a way to make sure we keep track of the other one, make sure they were doing all right. And well, when it turns black like this, that means that uh, the ends are near. And so I know what's uh, going on here, sir. Right. Um. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I know my brother wasn't always the uh, easiest to get along with and wasn't always associated with the best people, but he'd never tell you, but he would try to save my life. That's what got us here, both of us. But... but you, you look like you, you could bench press a tank. Well, when we uh, had our issues back in the day uh he got ganymede and i left this island and headed off and i've been living off on the other continent let's see um well so you you've come here for what to like new patrick for brother or uh, no, I've uh, come here, clean my brother's body, and uh, give him the uh, burial, and, uh, last rites of our family. So I see, I see. Um, well, I, I won't intrude on that, obviously. Well, uh, uh, I thank you for that. Um, uh, I did have some information that I, I gave to General Calypso, so um, you guys can. Uh, um, do with that what you will. Uh, it was mighty fine meeting all three of you, and um, I hope my brother didn't do anything too uh, unkindly to any of you. Hi, uh, I deeply regret the missed. And you hear Calypso uh, pipe up. Yes, well, um, Aldrich will uh, assist you. He will take you down to the wards and uh, assist you in any way that he can. 
Uh, just, he should be right outside the door. So, anything you need, please, please, anything at all. Let me see, Vash turn, and, uh, the Gith Yankee kind of gives a tip of his head, uh, before kind of swooping the shaggy blonde hair out of his face one more time. I do thank you, ma'am. And, uh, yes, I will, uh, I'll take the body off your hands, and I do thank you so much for your kindness. And, uh, I do hope that that, uh, map I gave you will help you out. And, uh, Vash will turn and, uh, make his way out of the office. Very long exhale again. Darian's really piling on these breathing exercises today. Okay, so the 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 there then. Just me. Nothing. That's well. Just going to step forward and not sit on. In any of the chairs, if they're still there, but just kind of put my hands in the back of one of them. You see Calypso kind of uh, sit up and stare directly into your eyes. And can I get a wisdom saving throw real quick, please? Okay, that's not too bad. Uh, Virian, you feel the instant pull of her beautiful, like, blue eyes, and you see that her hair is more of an auburn today, and it's kind of pulled back into a very tight braid, as she still stands, though, in the perfectly shimmering, mirror-shined plate armor, but you kind of snap yourself back out of it, and you see kind of a wince even come across uh, Calypso's face as she sees you kind of power your way through it before she kind of just stares at you still. Well, looks like you are in the mood for business today, Mr. Virian. Yes, as not that I can speak for my compatriots, but as much as we've been... You've been very generous with your hospitality, but I do think you need to get on. Yes, um, of course, uh, about that. Um, your friend's brother, uh, here once again, I'm just in this... Your group is leading such a tangled web that I do not know what this time I've stumbled into, but your friend... Uh, who made his way here from another continent has, well, best I just show you. And you see the General Calypso take this map and kind of fold it a couple times before she takes it and kind of feeds it into uh, a little, like, slot on this table. And you just hear a as this map kind of disappears. And I will send this to the group chat. Uh, 
And as this noise finishes up, you see this massive table kind of illuminate and come to life as like a kind of kind of garbled, not a great rendition of the uh, map of Ganymede Island comes up and Calypso goes, you will have to apologize for the roughness. Uh, This was not done by any of my men, but Vash gave this to me. Um, You can see the storm has apparently raged so much that all of these areas, and she starts to point to all the areas in uh, District 1 and the main roads, these areas are all basically completely washed out. The northern point, uh, the northern port, as she points to the bell on the northern point of the island, has apparently completely been washed away and the ocean has taken back, the ocean of fog has taken back parts of that end of the island. I don't think you will be able to traverse any of those roads or those areas. All of the buildings are in at least four to five feet of water. I sent Aldric out last night to try to explore to see if there was a quicker path through any way to get to Ganymede, but the only path that seems available, and as Calypso is pointing, is to follow along the western banks. Um, We do not know what lies completely beyond, but your friend Vash has given us this, but it looks like the only way you will be able to get into Ganymede City is through the southern gates. Right. Sorry, my mic actually cut out right at the beginning of that, but I didn't want to interrupt when Tad was talking. So, what was the first part before the Sea of Fog? I like my headphones. It's under like five feet of water at the moment. Oh, glorious. Yes, it appears that any of the areas between the roads have completely filled with water and flooded. We've never seen a storm like this in the history of Ganymede that goes back millions of years of recorded band of atomism history that has ever been a storm like this that has raged in Ganymede. Your friend Vash also informed us that the storm does seem to be centralized only to Ganymede Island. But yes, as you said, Virian, it's probably time that you left. I do not know, once again, the agents that I can contact in Ganymede City and Square have said that everything, once again, is still normal. The final week of this hell party, as it were, seems to be wrapping up, so the chaos seems to be at an all-time high, but that is nothing new for Ganymede Square. If you can get back there, I just remind you that 
you are wanted individuals at this point. And just to be careful. Noted. Dennis, thank you. Have we got a way of him being back here or not? Unfortunately, the band does not possess any sort of teleportation technology or land transport, but um, if you can make your way back here by other means, of course. As Clipso, you of course are welcome back here, the Band of Atomism, and you are members of the Resistance now, so this is our headquarters, and you can make your way back here, of course. I will always welcome you with open arms. Right. So, I do have to ask, what is your plan? I think, although it's not the safest, before we proceed, we need to get as much information as we can. Knowledge is power. Yeah, and... I mean, eventually we're going to have to get back into, you know, Ganymede Square. When we do, we need to find a place to hide, or also someone to work out of, anyway. I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right. Yeah. Can you make a copy of this for us to take with us? Oh, uh, of course, of course. And you see Calypso kind of leans down and you see her make some like swipes along this table before you hear it. And off the other side of the table, you see slowly but surely a printing of this map slowly coming out of this table. Oh, hold on. I think there's a jam. <laughs> nope, it's good. It's good. All right. And finally, the paper here. Ding! And... Why and is Freddy irrelevant? Because he's my ninth, you're not his child. Paper warm. You grab the warm uh, copy of the map, and Calypso looks at you. Uh, well, I was told by Aldric that you collected supplies yesterday, so I wish you luck on your adventures and your voyage. Oh, yes, of course. Um. And you see her kind of patting the plate armor before she kind of reaches into a like little satchel that's kind of like on her like back hip. And she pulls out a gold stone and she kind of throws it to you, Virian. Uh, that is one of the band's special communicators uh, that can be used to communicate cross planes of existence dimensions, um, basically anything, but you need to know 
who you are calling to use it. Unfortunately, I've only programmed in the number for my own gem, as um, that's the only one I know that you would need. I'll put that away for safekeeping. The three of you kind of stand. Uh, you know, none of you ever sat down at the table, but you all kind of move closer to it. Three of you step away from the table and turn to head out of Calypso's office as the camera kind of zooms through the door past the three of you and kind of comes over the shoulder of this shaggy blonde haired get yankee green skinned man as he makes his way down this hallway in a poncho his boots kind of clinking against the floor and as he reaches the main hallway damien you kind of just crested as you're about about still 10 steps up on the main staircase but you see out of the main hallway to Calypso's office, a man with shaggy blonde hair, but looking exactly like knives, except bulkier. But you can see on his left side, a, the outline of a massive hand cannon obscured by the poncho that he's wearing. As he doesn't see you, as he's just kind of walking through the main hallway with Aldrich in front of him. Damien kind of stops coiling the rope he was coiling. He's like, just tracks it for a moment. Sees the gun, sees the appearance, but then sees the difference in appearance and it's like, I'm guessing you're a relative? You reach the bottom of the stairs. And Aldrich and uh, the Gith Yankee turn to you and, oh, oh, yes, um, obviously you must have known my uh, brother there. Um, my name's Vash, uh, Vash, and he kind of holds out his hand. Damien's, like, eyebrow raises. He does accept the handshake, but it, there's definitely kind of a macho moment of them both squeezing the hand harder than they really should be. Uh, this Gith Yankee kind of raises a blonde eyebrow at you as you keep squeezing harder before just kind of in tow, kind of doing the exact same, but also not trying to like really beat you, just kind of meet each time that you squeeze harder, just meet the same level. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to, uh, pick up my brother's body. Seems, uh, he's met a unfortunate fate. Yeah, sort of run in with a beholder. Oh, well, I did know that my brother got himself into some interesting situations working for that, uh, their vicious dragonborn. Yes. But, well, I'm just, uh, here in Ganymede Island for a short time. I'm taking his body back off the continent, so, uh, I didn't catch your name there, sir. Damien. Well, Damien, uh, 
as it were. It was nice to meet you. I do hope that my brother never did anything unkind to you or the like, and if he did, I would like to apologize in his stead. Did you two ever pretend to be the other person growing up? <laughs> well, uh, I tell you that even on his deathbed, that Knives would never, ever admit to pretending to be me once, but it was a fun game that we liked to play as kids. See, we're basically, as you can tell, identical. Uh, back in the day, my parents gave the same haircuts and everything, dressed up the same, and I don't even think our mom tells part. Yes, well, when I first met your brother, he called himself that. Well, and I bet you, after he did and he revealed himself, he called me a scummy varmint and an idiot. No, he didn't say anything of the sort. He was more gloating about the fact that I couldn't murder him because he was important. Yep, yeah, that, that all sounds like knives right there. Well, uh, Damien, it was uh, mighty fine uh, chatting with you. Um... I do ask, um, did you uh, ever happen to uh, interact with uh, my brother's uh, Chocobo? Which one was his? I've met several Chocobos. He was all black. Beautiful bird. Did I think I don't think he did either. No, I'm afraid not. The only people I know that have recently gone out with him on a like, journey that would involve Chocobos would be Wyatt and Virian. Well, I'll uh, thank you kindly for that information. Maybe I'll uh, pop by and chat with them real quick before I head out just to check with them. Um, I do thank you. for it. That last book, they... It was some nonsense. They got transported from the library, so the Chocobo may be near there. Well, I know my brother well, and I know he cared for not many people in this world or the world before, but he loved that bird, so I guarantee he wouldn't tie her up around there or anything like that. He'd let her go run free and be safe. So, well, uh, thank you for that information there, Damien, and I'll... Uh, I'll uh, try and chat with your compatriots once again before I head out of this uh, here pyramid. Uh, but uh, there, Aldrich, uh, please uh, lead the way. Uh, and he looks down at his left hand and at the ring. I think I'd like to uh, at least uh, get one last word in with him before he uh, moves on into the void. As like he walks away, Damien will just kind of quietly press where... His similar ring has, you know, fused into his fucking skin. I guess why it didn't mention the fact that this is internal. Internally, Damien's like, hmm, guess why it didn't admit the truth, otherwise there'd be a lot more blood on him right now. Oh well. Where did I put the waterproof sash? As Damien, you watch Aldrich lead Vash uh, down the other corridor towards Doc's office and the wards. You see them both disappear from view 
as you go back to packing up a bag that you went and acquired and you kind of just acquire all your things and as you're standing there and you're about to head to the hallway that Wyatt had marked you see the other three appear from Calypso's uh, the corridor that would lead to Calypso's war room as all four of you now kind of find yourself you're about you know 30 feet away but you can all see Damien kind of standing in front of this corridor Damien will have like shouldered his bag just on instinct and he's just like, well, anything else people need to do or can we do the other? Quick three. Yes, that would be wise, wouldn't it, Wyatt? Ah, uh, yes, I just met that. A strange man of energy, that's his name, in there. Yeah, I have that as well. And it's just like, ah! Oh, siblings, I guess. Right, let's keep going before anything else happens. Hmm. You lot managed to get the plan from Calypso? Yes. You did. A bit of a hitch in the plan. Now we'll take out the prints out and explain to Damien exactly what's going on. Yeah. It's not too bad. Could Damien. be better there. Sorry. Uh... Can you make me a... Maybe a survival check real quick. Uh, 16. Damien, as Virian shows you the map and these flooded roads and flooded areas and kind of elicits the point that you have to go all the way down to the south gate, you know from your time of just walking back from the aquarium that was a three-day trek and you were walking constantly basically without sleeping like almost sleeping on your feet as you were walking so three days of constant walking to get that far this journey is at least three to four times as long and the storm has only intensified more making actual travel even worse you realize that this journey will probably take you at least a week. Maybe five days if you absolutely pressed yourselves and nothing went wrong. Daniel's kind of default when packing for stuff is he tends to try and have double the amount of rations and things for the journey length. Like, he doesn't eat much anyway, but it's kind of in case everything goes tits up. So I'll kind of explain to the other one, like, right, this is at minimum five days, but that's if you trek like me, in which, you know, you never sleep and don't stop for anything. 
it's at least the week, probably more 10 days going by kind of our group and people's necessity for sleep and sustenance and also the world's tendency to fuck us. Noted. I look at Avery, how much sleep do you actually need? I noticed I don't really sleep anymore. I, my body shuts down for the longest it shut down for is like four hours, but I still remain conscious. I don't know. Four hours. You're trancing for about four hours as well, isn't you? Yes. So Wyatt's the only one who needs more than four hours. Okay, so watchers essentially going to be us three trading. You can do that. Okay. Well, I, I don't really sleep, so it'll be I'll be on watch, and one of you will be with me, whilst the other one fancy slash shuts down. <laughs> I'm trying to work this out myself. Still no. Yes, is um, that normal for asthma? No, no. Before I died, it was regularly. Now I have no idea what the fuck it is. I don't really need food, I... It's... Eat out of, I eat and drink out of habit, to be honest. And you don't, need I don't... To breathe either. No. I'm just learning all these things as... We've been going by. You're probably... One of the... You're probably one of the types of creatures that... Has been brought back enough that you don't class as a mindless undead anymore. But you're still kind of more into That's what I'm getting at. Well, you know. They die just the same, apparently, so be careful. No, it is. Right. Please ration your food accordingly. Rain doesn't eat much anyway, so. I may or may not have snuck some, like, tea leaves into Durian's backpack. Uh, Wyatt, make me a perception yeah. check. Perception is... All in. 14. Quiet as you kind of watch Damien and Virian kind of looking at, or Virian showing Damien this map. You kind of see as Damien kind of shifts the map, you see colors on the other side of the map as well. Guys, there's other colors on that map. Map over. As you flip the map over, you see that printed on the back side is actually the map that General Calypso showed you the first time, without the flooded areas on it. Well, that's useful. But right, the four of you find yourselves standing in this corridor to an exit to this pyramid that you know that Wyatt has stocked the exit way with supplies for yourselves. 
What would you like to do? Ah, DM. Oh, him first. Yeah. I was just saying bye. Carry on. Okay. Uh, can I retroactively say that I grabbed, because I was meant to mention it earlier, but I kind of forgot. Can I retroactively say that I, because when he mentioned, the doc mentioned that the lab isn't used at all, really, could I have retroactively grabbed some sheets of the, um, wizard's paper? Sure. Uh, roll me a d4. Um, d4. Three. Uh, yeah, three. You manage. You grab yourself three uh, sheets of this paper. Yeah, I'll start to my component component um, oranges. But no, I'll grab. I'll grab the um, top dot bike with these um, supplies, and Navy's ready to go. You guys are all just heading straight towards the exit then? Yeah, out of the yeah. pyramid. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Wyatt actually kind of ends up leading the way as he's already been down this way. So he kind of takes a couple extra turns and basically is like, this is the fastest way. I was shown this. And as you reach this like exit foyer area, you can see that there are four packs lined up uh, against this wall. And you can see there's like a bundle of rope that's already been attached to it and just kind of general survival supplies. You can see like a sleeping bag is hanging off of it and all that kind of good stuff. You can also see next to it, there's also kind of like a black, like duffel looking bag that Wyatt points out. It's like, that's a tent. Excellent. Hey, um, I'm, I'm happy carrying the tent along with my supplies, except for if you guys. Sure. I will grab whichever bag is best and put it as mine. That's that one to go in, because I know which one I put the key in. Oh, okay. Right, so he pulled on all of his, all of the bags that he'd now attached himself, and then pushes the door to the pyramid and steps out. You, Wyatt, push open this first door, and you actually exit out into what appears to be kind of like an exterior, kind of like canopy. As you can see about 20 feet in front of you, this massive overhang must end because you can just see just sheets and sheets of rain coming down where it's almost hard to see. You can barely see maybe five feet past these sheets of rain that are coming down as the best hope of seeing anything is the lightning strikes that seem to happen every second to ten seconds it seems as the storm is almost a tsunami level of just terror out here right now with just gallons of water being dropped from the sky 
and this pink lightning just going off and these thunder claps just shaking you to your very core. But as you exit out into this overhang of a canopy, you can see to the left of you a very beautiful blue feathered eight foot tall chocobo that is tied to a post out here. And as this beautiful blue bird kind of looks down at all four of you, it like cocks its head and almost gives you a knowing glance before just kind of turning its head back and beginning to peck at a big like bushel of like green ferns and such that are sat in front of it. But right, so, if you are all just heading off into the outskirts of Ganymede, it's going to be a rough and tumble for this while, as immediately after entering out of this canopy into the pouring rain, you're all immediately drenched. And this is a cold, cold rain. The kind that the minute it touches you, you feel it down to your bones almost immediately as the wind kind of howls through this and you immediately feel just chilled, clammy, and angry at the world as you step out into this pouring rainstorm. As an action, I'll dismiss um, Sylvie because it's not fair on her to be in this. Oh, for one second, Sylvie looks like a drowned rat where all of the fur has just come and it's just the actual just basic skin of the cat and she looks like she weighs at most a pound and a half as all of the floof is gone. And then she pops off and disappears. But uh, what would you guys like to do now? You have the map, so I would like to know how you would like to move forward. You can basically think about each one of the little boxes on this grid map on the flooded one as about a five mile square. Oh. Yeah, we're pretty far out then. Hey, shit, we got a way to go. We'll say it's actually more like a three mile square. Five's a little big. Still one way, but we'll get there. What if we try and head to, like, for lack of a better term, the, my phone will shut. Oh, it's going to The first viable looking road. Yeah. I know we've got the order on us, but they can't. But I'm sure we've got ways of hiding ourselves. I could. Hmm. It's a bolo, it's not a pill on site. So, I've never had anything like this set on me before. I'm taking laughs quietly. It's kind of the difference between them actively scanning every person who comes in versus if you do something that draws attention to you, then take the notice. I could. Hmm. Just. Just an idea. I have something which might ease the travel a little bit, um, without banishing us to another realm. Um, I've got a spell 
which uh, called Summon Draconic Spirit, which is a fifth level spell, and it would it allows me to um, summon a well a dragon that lasts for one hour, who obviously, like any other creature you summon, listens to your commands, etc., etc. And with a flight of sixty foot per per turn. That could ease some of the traveling for us. If that's something the DM would allow, obviously. You want to try it? You can go ahead and try it. It's up to you we'll guys. Why don't we walk and then when we get to more difficult areas, then we take out the conic spirits and the fact that Viri and I can both use fly. Because we're a long way in 10 minutes. I do apologize for my flight not as being good as a dragon. It was just a. I wasn't trying to show off, it was just an offer. Save it for a big obstacle, Avery, because it's going to take a lot of energy out of you, and it's not like going to be staying in the ritz. Whatever the fuck that is. Ugh, it's done, right? Yeah, let's get going. And just rinse his hair right out. <laughs> That's a very pointless action. Okay, so here's the question then. The thing is, are you guys going to head directly to the south gate of Ganymede? Um, there is a black X that is technically on the way of the flooded path. You guys wanted to try and trek to that first. Um, I mean, it, it's up to you. There is clearly still a sighting at a crossroads up not too far of where uh, the keeper was seen at some point. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I'm just uh, asking exactly where you guys are going to try and travel to see what I'm going to need rolled from all of you. And don't worry, folks. We will make sure these maps are posted to the Instagram so that you can see them as well and know what we're referring to so this isn't just meaningless jabber. Well, considering Varian's already received his item from the Keeper's box, I've got my box and the other three are still in Ganymede in the city. I don't see the point in seeking out the Keeper again. Feel necessary. It's whether the um, if it's worth swinging by one of those marked points just so we can get some intel before we go into the cluster but for this decision. I think that's probably one of the better ideas we've got so far. Yeah, I uh. I have to agree, it's better than bad, so. Oh, all our spells, it gives us it gives us topics to narrow down what we're looking for when we get into Bart's office now, because obviously our time's going to be limited. 
if you know roughly the kind of things to look for amongst the avalanche of paperwork then. So, our first destination then is set as the building off of Muhalan Drive that uh, Calypso has marked down as a building that was destroyed. Alright. Uh, with that, how are you guys planning on traveling? Are you plan on, planning on pushing yourselves? I know that you only need to rest for four hours and such, but with these pouring rainstorm and the blustery wind and the lightning that's going off, even those of you who don't rest a lot will need to, at times, recover because just trekking through this storm is work itself. I don't think it even if I had had thought to pack umbrellas in, in the supply, if they would have worked. It worked in the train, so. We could have Mary Poppins our way across the map. <laughs> <laughs> or just got yeeted would... into a building. <laughs> would it be worth pushing ourselves to that first location and then taking it easy from there? If we get there and that Ariel is trouble, or if there's something they're waiting to, you know, try and murder us, facing it in a weakened state and then having to flee is not a good idea. So, steady pace for now. Daniel's gonna set like a eight day trek pace, roughly. I'll say here. Let me, let me break it down for you this way. If you guys were to push yourselves, you could get there in about probably three days. But that is at a breakneck pace where you're basically carrying the person who's sleeping, where you designate, all right, we'll carry them like a backpack during those three days. And maybe taking one night of like a quick, you know, hour and a half, two hour rest point for everyone. If you go at just a normal standard pace, it's probably going to be about five, maybe six days. If you go conservatively, it will be about an eight to ten day trek, depending on how conservatively you would like to go. First option sounds like when they trek across the pole, we have huffed the dogs and things, feet like an hour, hour, half our time, that's it. No thank you. We'd be too exhausted we got Daniel there. had to carry wires in the backpack to throw him into one of the flooding areas. I think standard pace is good. Alright. Well then, if you would all like to do that, I need a group survival check from everyone. And the way this is going to work, we're going to take everyone's score and you are trying to hit a number to stay on course in this blistering rainstorm. Blinding, even, some would call it, instead of blistering, because that's more for heat. And I just used the wrong B word to start. That's a different campaign. 
Oh no. Survival. It's dice like 18 today, though. That's a dirty 20. I can remember what I am missing. Uh, 14. Crit 20 plus 2. Survival? Um, 15 plus 7. 22. Why it's competent at something? What the fuck? I've got proficiency in survival! <laughs> With a, let's see, 64, 78. You guys crush this first DC of 50, and the first day goes without hitch. You make your way about, we'll say, to the first crossroad south on the map, and this will be your first spot where, since you are traveling at a conservative pace, it would be a time that you may all take a rest. You may choose to push through, but we will then begin rolling constitution checks and exhaustion could happen. It's a lower chance of it, but it could happen. I have disadvantage on con, so I'd rather not push myself just yet. Uh, smart gone too hideous yet. If we hadn't made very much progress, then I'd say push on, but we made a decent amount, so. Yeah. Wyatt, have a nap. <laughs> Just, like, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll rest. I'll rest if I can. Alright, uh, if you're going to stop and rest here, there are um, some buildings around this area if you would like to try and take refuge and see if you can get out of the rain. Uh, as you look around, you can see to the south, probably across the road, uh, probably a good, you know, half a mile down the way, you can see a line of like three like warehouse-style buildings that seem to go a few stories up each of them, one of them a little taller than the other two. Uh, if you look a little to the north, you can see a couple of, like, what look like more like cottage-style buildings, all one story, but there's multiple of them all kind of just clustered together off of that corner of the road. So, would you like to take refuge in any of those? Or would you just like to camp out here in the rain? You do have the tents, and the tent is magically attuned that it won't blow away. Like, it'll n magically anchor itself, you were told, Wyatt, to wherever you do. So yeah. it will give you shelter from the rain. Okay. Um. Aware that it doesn't come down anywhere, but... And it may anger itself, but we want to be out of sight a bit as well, so maybe find something a little bit, you know, a bit of cover for it at least, nothing else. Let's go under a building. I yeah. can potentially try and summon a fire. So you can dry yourselves off a bit.
Right. Are you heading towards the row of warehouse blocking buildings or the cottage-style cluster of buildings? Uh, I would say maybe the cluster. Tied in the cluster. Hmm. The cluster as well. Then we'll kind of shrug and follow them because his instinct is the warehouse because it's a lot easier to defend than a cottage, but they're the ones who need to properly rest, so... Mm-hmm. Warehouse could also be full of traps, so that's that's Avery's thinking on it. With a vote of three to one, you all turn a little to the north and head towards this cluster of cottages. And as you get a little closer, you can see that there's actually about eight of these little cottage-like buildings. But you can see which, at most, must be like one or two room buildings. And as you look over this little, like, subdivision of cottages, you can see that some of the roofs of them have caved in from the weight of the rain. But as you're looking about, you do notice a couple towards the back of this cluster that seem to still be intact. Right. I'll start heading towards one of the not collapsible moment self ones. Virian, Avery, you both reach uh, these two cottages in the back. They're within like close enough distance that you can see each other from these front doors. So they're almost they're not like conjoined, but they're almost like conjoined cabins where the space between them is maybe only like a couple feet so clearly they were built in like synonym or synonymously or whatever but you both kind of kind of try and open these doors and both of them are locked Just break in. Are there any windows nearby? Uh, there are some uh, front-facing windows that are on this you know, ground floor. It's a one-story cabin, so cottage. Let's keep it in there. Sure. Uh, make me an investigation check. And Avery, did you say you're just going to break in? Uh, oh no, no, he was suggesting that to um, Marion. So, like, so should we break in? Maybe. Say 15 all in. Uh, Viviran, you kind of peering through this window, you stare into what looks like a very dusty living room. You can see a sofa that looks very moth eaten and kind of raggedy. And uh, you can see just a couple chairs. And you can actually see straight through to an open door that you can see like a bathroom in. So it doesn't look living at all. Uh, not to your investigation check, no. The window's locked from the inside. Uh, as you kind of push on this window, uh, you kind of push it up a little bit, and the window actually kind of slides open easily. I'm in the window. 
experience, you quite easily climb through this window and you find yourself in a one-room cottage. Uh, you can see that the room actually extends to the right a bit farther and there's a couple like twin beds pushed up against uh, the opposite side wall and as you look about a little closer on the inside, you can see there's a little fireplace uh, on the left side, uh, that couch you saw and a couple other chairs in this little sitting area and then there's a little bathroom up on this back, the one door it's on the back wall. Okay. Is there anything, like, thing I could use as kindling that won't give off any sort of poisonous smoke? Uh, as you actually look at the fireplace, you do see some, what looks like some very, very old, old wood. Okay, um, could I try using my cantrip fireballs on it? Yeah, definitely. Are you putting it in the fireplace first? Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Probably. Uh, you do, and easily a little sparkly glimmer comes amongst your hand before just with a snap of your fingers, a shot of like liquid, like hot fire hits this old wood and immediately <laughs> sparks up into a tiny little fire. Damien, from outside, you can see uh, out of the chimney a very, not very noticeable because it is very dark and rainy out here, but you can see a little wisp of smoke coming out of the chimney. Can you open the door, Varian? I will go and unlock the door. Avery, from your other, the door of the other cabin, you see the door swing open of Virians, and you also notice the smoke, as well as you, Wyatt, who are all still standing out in the rain. Come in. Thank you. Off into my humble abode. Wyatt steps inside and uh, takes off his. His leather jacket, he battered leather jacket and hangs that bubble door. At this moment, hold on one second, and then you can go again, Wyatt. You all kind of stare at each other in this very small one room cabin, all absolutely dripping wet from all of this torrential rain that's been pouring on you. And it's at this moment that I would like each of you to quickly give a brief description of what your character looks like as you are now absolutely drenched. So you're at your you know, most basic look that you can be. But we will start and we'll end with you, Wyatt, since you were going to say something. But we'll start with Damien. I mean, even... Damien's still kind of at the door. He's very much leaning on it like an asshole. He's a lean, about 5'7", skinny figure. Like, he's clearly muscled, but he could probably cut a bitch with his elbows. Despite the absolutely drenched rain, his hair still seems kind of ruffled and as if, like, there's a breeze blowing through it all the time. Which, you know, is very annoying for, like, Virion, whose hair is fucking drenched right now. Busted to <laughs> And there's just Floof Boy over here with his, like, it's a it's like a white 
blue at that point. His eyes probably match the storm outside in that very dark kind of greyish it's glaring still looks angry he's scanning the cottage as if it will kill someone when he's not looking despite the fact that this is very homely and he's like no but i think ignoring the soaking wet robes he's wearing and you know his little sandaled feet where you can just see his toes just kind of squelching slightly it's the two things that get you is the dark line that's still across his throat with his pale skin and the tattoos that have kind of beat that kind of dance with the rain and the storm outside like every time there's a flash of lightning one of them will like glow and kind of rumble and he's just there looking like an asshole my baby boy as Damien stares over and you can either choose to go next to Avery or Virian as Damien looks that person's way. Of course Damien's gonna look at Virian. I would have assumed nothing less. Shit, I was about to cut my description down because it got quite long. Fine. Okay. So when you look at Virian you see a willowy, ethereally beautiful, and honestly somewhat androgynous elf. He's got porcelain skin that seems to sparkle, even though it's like soaking wet through at the moment. And waist length black hair, which has been braided back for the day, and he's just kind of wringing it out at the moment, because for some reason it seems to collect water like a sponge. <laughs> And a deep blue eyes that look black from a distance, with long lashes, of course, naturally. And at the moment, he's wearing a like black peacoat over a lavender shirt, which is just slightly tucked into the high-waisted jeans. I'm going to call them jeans. And then they go down into lace-up boots with heels that. You can see they add a good three inches to his height. He's also carrying, as well as his backpack, a um, bag of a crossbody strap, which is full of, I guess, his personal knickknacks. There's a bump in his coat from where he's currently carrying Spellbook Taron as opposed to in the bag. He tends to carry him close to his body rather than in the bag. And he's wearing three different rings. There's the Ring of Shielding, that's been there for a very long time now. A sort of family ring. It's gold and it's got a phoenix engraved on it. And then a slim obsidian ring with little purple gems on it. He's just stood there, dripping wet, still sparkling, still smelling kind of like rose water. I put Turkish delight in my description, but that's the smell I was looking for, as it was on my mind at the time. And yeah, that's that's my boy. As Virian matches Damien's gaze for a moment before turning and looking at Avery. Uh, right. Okay. So as Avery cleans himself up with precipitation, unintentionally he looks 
very similar to Doctor Strange, if maybe a few years younger. Obviously, his main standouts are his like grey, palish, palish grey skin and um, his arm, left arm, which is made out of adamantium, has some real, really nice runes going down the arm. Um, he wears like greyish purple, grey robes with purple accents, and has a sizable component belt attached to it. Two big pouches for his spellbook and the other one for his newly acquired arcane grimoire. And two other pouches at the front for components, such as, um, such as lavender, batshit, whatever you need for spells. And obviously he now has this little bit dramatic but slightly subtle um, cloak ability in which um, matches the um, darker purple accents on the robes. Um, one of his other defining features is um, his right eye is purple which looks fairly natural but the other eye is a bit which has gone a bit funny around the outline, is turned red. It being his left eye and less um, dominant eye. It's gone on like a weird crimson red. He looks... He looks fairly aged. Like, he's got brow lines, small but messy stubble, and he stands at about 5'11", boots. You can also tell from um, like from his right arm, which is obviously still normal. He's he's fairly toned, but not very muscly. That's about it for him. As Avery meets Virian's gaze before turning and looking finally at Detective Wyatt Stanton. We're standing there with his... How do I put this? Um, almost bangs at one point. You could tell it were when he was back on Earth. Um, and his hair is just like, just like slick down his face from the rain. Like the brown rat that he looks like. Um, his... his um, Rather battered and tired looking leather jacket, dripping with, dripping with water, hanging up by the door. Um, you can see where the jacket was over his shirt, when obviously his blood red sort of coloured shirt. Um, he's got some amazing, in his mind, uh, dark, dark blue jeans on with like a small rip in the left knee, which is supposed to add character. <laughs> Um, love, beautiful belt buckle. Um, looks like he clearly bought something while he was here with his, uh, love rubies. Um, you can tell why when he left his, his, uh, his dimension that he certainly, uh, he wasn't very old. He was in his 
early 20s, maybe, at a push. Um, but even though he used to have crystal blue eyes, they're just black now. Probably caused by the. Um, I haven't got enough stairs. I try to keep my I try to keep my clipping short. You see. Wyatt, you kind of meet Avery's gaze as all four of you kind of look back and forth uh, towards each other for a moment before kind of all dawns on you real quickly. Who's standing watch? Then about a week, one of you in about four hours. Is there, um, is there a sofa in here at all, or we just getting down our sleeping bags? Right. Right. Moth eating sofa, or the beds? Hmm. I'm gonna take a bed, but I'm gonna put the sleeping bag on it anyway, because. Yeah. Never heard of a bit of extra comfort when you can, sort of thing. So I'll do that. Bump the bumping bag out on top of the bed. As you walk over, Wyatt, you realize these beds are just a sheet on a mattress. There's no, like, comforter or extra blankets or pillow or anything like that. Uh, so you're staying in one of the beds. Furion, uh, Avery, what's your plan? Is that just like an ordinary chair like you'd see at a kitchen table or something? Yeah, there's two um, chairs near the fireplace that uh, they have arms on them, but they're like wooden chairs with just like a small cushion on the seat and on the back. Okay, I'm going to cast Prestidigitation to clean one of the chairs and then just sit on it across one mouth and start to trance. Uh, like the classic, I hope they have them in the UK, Mr. Clean commercials. Just a bit of, like, sparkle comes over as Virian snaps. And suddenly this chair is, like, goes from old, like, dusty wood to, once again, its fine oaken glory that it was when it first was uh, carved and put together. And you see the cushion that had turned a odd maroon goes back to its beautiful red luster, like, of the velvet that it used to be, as Virian cleans this chair, and these sparkles just up and down before dissipating. Virian takes his seat. Avery? I think Rain... Not rain. <laughs> I think Avery will um, follow for just quick flick of his wrist to clean the chair and just sit down there and, just, as he said earlier, just like shut down, keeping the um, left eye open just to stay conscious as he rests. Instead of like the sparkly like cleaning that takes seconds. You could tell that was clearly all for show as Avery just walks over and with a snap of his fingers, it goes from dirty to clean in one second. 
And you see Avery just kind of sit down next to you, Virian. Before I completely destroy it, Dr. White, I just want to say to Avery, just quietly, like, sorry I snapped you, like, and it's... Just that it's not really an excuse. Uh, you just hear it in, you just hear it in your head. Don't worry about it. Water under the bridge. See, Varian noticeably flinched because he has enough voices in his head these days. Sorry. Just gonna sleep with like one protective arm around my stomach. As a free white head bobs down slightly, the red eye just stays open, just making sh- just keeping an eye on the area around him. Bethel, holy shit, that's terrifying. Secondly, is it audible the shutdown? Are we hearing like the Windows 95 music? <laughs> probably, you probably don't hear the Windows shutdown noise, Willis. He's not no, a robot. It, no, but well, I'm saying he said it's a shutdown. Is, is, it, is it audible? Or is it like, like, like breathing its lower sort of thing or that sort of thing? Or... Um, breathe. Mm, okay. I'm gonna say there's no noise. Just like bobs down in. Left eye just opens. Okay. The red eye. That is fucking terrifying. Why will time to see Megan roll over the waves in the eye because it's terrifying. Right. Damien, where are you gonna take up residence? Are you staying in this little uh, cottage or are you gonna go back outside? Plan. Uh, um, is there any form of like curtains over these windows? Um, uh, roll me a say a d4 and tell me what you get. Let's see what state they're in. Three. There are four sets of windows in this little cottage. There's Two on either side of the front door that you came in. There's one over on the back wall by the twin beds. And then there's one over to the like left of the bathroom door that kind of you can see off into the distance of other like cottages and just off into the distance of the outskirts of Ganymede. Of the windows, three of them are covered with a uh, kind of ratty but still mostly opaque uh, curtain that is covering the back window, the window by the bedroom, and then one the window to the left of the door. Unfortunately, the window that Virian uh, looked in originally, the whatever, if it did have a curtain, it's either completely been eaten away by moss, or there just has never a curtain there to begin with because there's no semblance of any curtain on that one window. Yeah, so I'm going to close the curtains on all the other ones, just because with the fire going, we are emitting light. And I'm going to slide out. I'll leave all my stuff inside, but, like, apart from myself and, like, a dagger. And I don't know. Maybe I have an apple, and I'm just slicing it into pieces like an asshole. (laughs) And I'm going to kind of stand... I'm gonna like perch myself in front of the one window that doesn't have lines or curtains or whatever. 
just to block as much light, but also so I get that light behind me for my vision. I'm just going to lurk outside ominously. Cool. All right. Uh, the other four of you all receive at this moment a short rest. Uh, it may be a long rest. We'll see who gets woken up for the next shift or what goes on. But Damien, while you're on your four-hour watch, can I get a perception check? And I will need it at disadvantage uh, because the rain is absolutely just torrential and it is hard to see. Disadvantage, that is a 15. Damien, you stare out this window, the lightning, your best chance to actually try and get a view of anything even close to you. And every once in a while, with the lightning cracks over this four hours, you can see out, and there's no other signs of life anywhere near you in these cottages, as you are near the back of this little cluster. So there are cottages all around you. But you can see to the main road and you see no signs of life. It's just with the lightning crashes and you get a brief flash of viewing of everything. And it's just no signs of life over these four hours. You do, though, as these four hours pass, you think you hear a whistle. And it feels like maybe it was the wind. Maybe it was just being in this old rickety cabin. But you pretty sure you heard a whistle about two hours into your watch. You didn't hear it again or before that, just the one time. Besides that... It sound like it was coming from. It sounded like it... It came from outside, that's for sure. It, like, because it could have... You're not sure, like, you know it was a whistle, but being in this old rickety cabin, maybe it was just the wind whipping through like a piece of, you know, broken wood or something of that nature. But by that fact, you just know that it came from outside. Well, as long as it's not coming from behind me, accompanied by murmuring. Uh, after about four hours, I will go poke Avery. time already, is it? Yeah. I'm a very easy person to wake up if you spot anything. Didn't see anything odd. Heard a whistle, but it might have been the wind. Oh, I've noted. Apple slice? Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you will take the slice. It's the cat appears on the shoulder. I'm just going to sit on the sofa and just kind of lean back and have his awkward power nap where it looks like he wants to murder his dreams. Avery will take the position with, um, with Sylvie where Damien previously was. Alright, uh, Virian and Wyatt, as this will now be eight hours, you will be at no danger of taking any exhaustion from traveling through this rainstorm on your next day of travel. Avery and Damien, as you're both getting four hours of rest, which is all you technically need, you will both get to roll a con check at advantage to avoid any levels of exhaustion after this next day of travel. Uh, but while Damien kind of 
shuts down in that very angry Damien way. Avery, I need a perception check from you. Once again, at disadvantage as the storm rages on. Avery, the first hour of your watch, you see and hear nothing. Just the cracks of the lightning, just you sit with Sylvie, kind of petting her absentmindedly as you wait for the lightning to flash so you can get any look. And once again, there seems to be no life really around these cottages at all. Uh, During one of the lightning flashes, after about an hour, you do hear after the crack of the thunder, you hear what... Make me uh, another perception check real quick. Disadvantage or...? Uh, No, make me this one normally. Fifteen on the dice, so twenty-two. Avery, you hear carried across the wind, and so you know it's not super close, or you're not sure how close it is, but you hear a howl of some sort of creature carried across the wind as the crack of thunder kind of echoes, and you hear just kind of go and then dissipate. The next hour of your watch, once again, goes by, and you hear and see nothing at all. After two hours, can I get a nature check, please? Avery, after those two hours pass, about another half an hour passes as you just sit there with Sylvie before you hear much louder this time another howl kind of screech across the wind and it sounds like you hear one howl and then you hear a second and a third and a fourth all kind of echo off in a few like second span and as you look out onto the like area outside the window you see another huge crash of lightning go and off in the far distance you aren't you can't make out what it is but you see these probably four to six huge like shapes off in the far distance, way past the cabins, like down the road towards where you probably came from, you would think, in that direction. And you only see him for a second as once the lightning passes, it goes once again to just being able to see the torrential rain. Um, just not moving too much. Presto do rotation to snuff out the fire. To kill the light. The fire goes out. Just stay quiet and keep an eye out for now. Avery. Another half an hour passes. The lightning strikes go off multiple times. You don't see anything. 
off to that distance. Three hours have passed. Three and a half hours pass. You hear the howl kind of carried on the wind and it seems to be farther away. And as a lightning bolt smashes down into actually one of the cabins, probably about three away from where you are currently staying. And you see this cabin just obliterated by this lightning. The flash, once your eyes adjust to this absolute bright light, you see nothing in the distance. And the howl seems to dissipate in the wind as the four hours pass without anything happening. And at this point, Wyatt and Virian and Damien all wake from their slumber. Damien bolts upright with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Well. Sorry, not used to people waking up with people near me. Wasn't the worst night thing I've ever had. Uh, but I've had better, but I've had a lot worse. Okay. Yes. There's definitely something out there. I think I'd like four creatures out in the distance but so I snuffed out the fire and it's sound listening to the wind it sounds like they're moving further away and in the way that's good but we still might be walking in that direction so just taking notes of that Avery question are you capable of flight yes Okay, so if we get potentially about to be ambushed by these things, I'd say myself or Virion will grab Wyatt because for whatever reason in our universe when we cast magic it gives us enough to do it on someone else. And we all go the fuck up and then as far as we can go in those ten minutes away from those things, we're capable of a fight, but I'd rather not risk losing supplies. I'll miss far out. See what way to go. Fight if we have to, done if we can. Who's up for breakfast? <laughs> Sounds like oh. I'll relight the um fire in the in the pit. Major breakfast makes Wyatt go hmm for a moment to remember he left a lich waiting for breakfast. <laughs> Side eye from the elf. It may he may still be waiting for it. I mean that was basically that was over a week at this point. Alright, uh so you're all having breakfast real quick. Um I don't know if any of you lost any health. I don't think anyone has, but you need to recharge anything or anything of that nature anything can be recharged and then are you going to continue to move yeah to save supplies avery will just have a coffee to stimulate himself a bit 
He doesn't need to eat, so he's not going to eat the food. There's tea in my bag. <laughs> Damien has a little soft smile. It's like, yeah. <laughs> the cat will go. The cat will go petal period, because the cat looks very. Deep one, that cat and the other. One villain extraordinaire over here. <laughs> the cat look. The cat looks at why and if looks could kill why it would be 12 foot deep. And so, again, why it says to the cat. I wasn't beating myself with that. But I was looking through his eyes. So I'll just warn you once, shoot the cat, and I'll shoot you with your own gun. Okay, I will say again, I am very sorry. I was not in the right frame of mind. That's not an excuse. It won't happen again. Okay. Damien eats the last of his perishables whilst watching this, just like... <laughs> Quiet. I mean this with all due respect, but you don't exactly have the best history of snap judgments, do you? Don't worry. I only packed two bottles of alcohol in my bag. I assume that's alcohol. for cleaning wounds and not drinking. Happy to share. 16 pets cat puts her back up. Your intentions look a bit like the girl from the ring first thing in the morning. He hasn't touched his hair properly. At the mention of alcohol, Sylvie raises her arm ready to swallow it. Does she talk? No. Meow. Close enough. I'm just that Kind of my knife, I do look at Wyatt and I'm like, no more than one cup a day. If that, if that, if that, if that, if that. Right. So, at this point, you have to head out, if you would like, and uh, head down the coast is the next destination. Um, and we once again need survival checks from everyone. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> nice. 30-20. Stop rolling 18, you're making me feel like I'm cheating. That's a dirty 20. 14. It's our face, Matthew. <laughs> How much? 26. I get a plus 7 or 19. Right. Well, uh, the storm has actually increased in ferocity, and so travel has actually gotten even harder. But with beating the DC of 60 at this moment, you all make your way about halfway down the coast. And as you do, the day kind of ends. And once again, you can just feel your bodies, the 18 to, we'll say, what, slept for eight hours. So it was 16 hours of travel that you make down this way. 
uh, you all make it about halfway down the coast, and you stop, and to your left, there's only really one building, which is a three-story, uh, what looks like steel corrugated building, and you can see the rain just kind of flowing off the top of this metal roof of this three-story building. Looks sturdy. Hmm. It's gonna be loud in there as well. It would... Better for nothing, though. I like the sound of the rain. This thing is hard to sleep sometimes. It's, it's just like bang, 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 all that sort. But I'm sure we can cope. You can see as you get a little closer, there are no ground floor windows either. The first windows you can see are on the second floor. That's first floor to our street, then, guys. Sorry. How high up is that window? Uh, probably about 12 feet. 10, 12 feet. Can I levitate and just kind of go up and try the window? Oh, for sure. (laughs) And it takes a moment for your body to start floating, but you, after a couple seconds, do float up and easily the window, not lock, because who locks a second story window in this situation, slides easily open. You can slide into the building if you would like. Kind of sliding, kind of glancing left and right. Uh, you look into this building, and you see, Damien. What was your experience uh, in your life with anything that was related to like farming or anything like that? Uh, Damien t- tended to stick to smaller towns and villages, so he saw a lot of the farming communities rather than like big city stuff. Damien, as you look around inside this building, you immediately peg it as it, in its past life, wherever it came from, it was clearly used for storage of like either grains or some kind, maybe products of a farm-related type, hay, anything of that nature, uh, as it's a metal corrugated building, so the windows themselves are easily sealed. And you can see just there's walkways around this floor, a walkway around the top. And on the bottom floor, you see just a huge open space with just what looks to be, at this point, rotten hay. But it looks to only be about an inch or two thick. And you can hear the pelting of the rain from outside as it... kind of clamber down and I guess if this is some sort of kind of like silo barn thing I'll kind of take whatever beam is across the door and be like hello yeah as you move this beam you realize that the door actually slides almost inward so that you couldn't see on the outside that there was a seam at all and as you slide it open the rest of you see an opening into this uh, area that Damien is in surprise motherfuckers Right. Well, before we can do anything, Damien and Avery, I need you both to make me a con saving check. Or, no, a con save. We'll just say check. No, I'll be nice. Con check at advantage. Nice. 
Natural 20. 19. You both through mm-hmm. just Damien, you are one tough motherfucker. You've been through a lot and you don't you don't care about this travel. You walked three days straight to get back to Ganymede at one point. Yeah, the storm wasn't as bad, but you still did it. And so you're fine. And Avery, you realize the not need to breathe, eat, or really sleep at all really helps when you're trekking through the terrible rainstorm and cold wind as it's really like, eh, whatever, I'm fine. The lovely top is for examples. All right, though, but you now once again get your eight hours of rest, and who will be standing watch? We'll go first. Right. Uh, as you enter in, once again, you all see kind of just this, like, floor covered in what looks to be, like, hay. It's very old. It's kind of soggy. But it is, you know, spongy and kind of comfortable. And the sleeping bags you do have are seem to be waterproof. Screw it. Bag on the hay. Sleep down. Shut, shut down one eye open. And accidentally tilts to stare at Wyatt. I hover ominously all the way to like the top, like railing bits. And I'm just gonna zen up there. And you all watch oh, as oh. Damien just floats like a insane psychic all the way to the top and then disappears onto the third floor walkway. an upturn bucket or something to sit on. Uh, Virian, there are ladders to make your way so you could climb to the second floor to, so you could see out one of the windows. That's a better plan, I'll do that. And Wyatt? Um, is there anywhere I guess bed down properly or... Uh, you can go on the hay, you could climb up to the second floor, or if you wanted, you could go up to the third floor where Damien is. I'll go to the second floor. I've learned to give Damien space. Um, as in, as in, a whole, they're a whole, a whole dimension just to them, perhaps, maybe. Um, you, you follow Virian up mm. the ladder, and on the second floor, you go to the opposite side of the window, where there is no window. And there is more than enough. These walkways are all probably about four, about five feet wide. So you have more than enough room to lay your sleeping bag down and bed down on I, the other side. I do that. Um, um, I do, I do, um, I, you know, I do say to him, like, would you mind drying my jacket off for me? I feel like, but I do pass prestidigitation from this jacket. I appreciate that. Right, as what and starts to put down, he, he folds his jacket up and actually puts it under his head. This time, this has got a very Virian, as you take your stance on your bucket, staring out this window, as you suddenly hear behind you little paws hitting uh, these ladder before you hear them coming across this metal walkway. And you see around the corner, Sylvie peeks their head. Meow. Trying to get Sylvie to come over. Sylvie runs over and hops up into your lap before immediately just curling into a tiny ball and passing out. 
Bird's just gonna stare at the window, petting the cat. At some point he may try, even though he knows it's absolutely hopeless, just to see if he can contact his patron. But... Sure. Uh, first of all, then, make me a perception check at disadvantage. And actually, no, first of all, make me an arcana check at disadvantage, and then make me a perception check at disadvantage. Ah, shit. Sorry for swearing. Um, it's an 11 for arcana. Virion, as you absentmindedly kind of stare out this window and pet Sylvie the cat, you kind of, as a second nature, just try and reach out to Dantelion. And you just reach out and you're just like trying to push and push. And it's almost as if you kind of hit a wall as you're trying to reach out to them. And not that it's just, and as you hit this wall, you kind of feel like almost a garbled kind of like try and message kind of come through. But once again, you get nothing as this wall just kind of stops any communication with Dantelion. Just sighs very deeply. <sighs> so perception next, right? At disadvantage too? That is correct. Yeah. Okay, that could be a lot worse. That's a 16 all in at disadvantage. Have all, all three of you now have gotten a 16 on this perception check. Huh. Virion, once again, after trying to communicate with your patron absentmindedly for the first, you know, half an hour, you kind of snap back into focus and staring out this window as these lightning flashes once again out in this just torrential rainstorm. The only thing that kind of lets you see anything. And from your vantage point, unfortunately... Now you're, you know, along the coast, so straight ahead is just the sea of fog across the road. And then so really you're trying to look left and right down this long, straight coastal road. And so as you're looking out, you once again don't really see much for the first hour. The second hour is the same. You do, once again, you hear what sounds like a whistle that seems to kind of echo on the wind. And it kind of seems to almost reverberate for a second through this metal building before, once again, passing through and just dissipating on the wind. The third hour passes. Can I get another perception check, please? Disadvantage again? Uh, no, you can make this one normally. Um, it's a 19. Virian, you realize, you know, you don't have a watch or anything, but you're pretty good at telling just time as a whole, um, just without any need for that kind of machination or anything like that. And you realize, oh, your shift's getting probably pretty close to over. It's been three and a half hours, you know, as Sylvie kind of just still absently sleeps in your lap. And you see them finally actually kind of stretch out and waking up as they're and just kind of looking at you for a second and as you glance down at the cat you once again look up through the window and as a lightning bolt 
slams down and you can't even see the actual lightning bolt that must have hit out into the sea of fog but the flash that comes off of it illuminates kind of the fog itself almost looks like a beacon for a second and along the road you see just for a moment these six hulking like figures uh, along the road just staring towards this building and in the flash of lightning you see the eyes glisten just for a second just black eyes that glisten in lightning as you stare out for just a moment as then it goes dark again and you can't see anything did I get any kind of rough idea of what shape they were uh, they just they looked like they were large um, and with the lightning you got that they were large and they kind of looked rounded along the top but that's about it. You didn't have that long to see them. So I couldn't tell if they were like two-legged creatures or four-legged creatures or something like that. You, from the second that you saw them, would realize that they were definitely hunched over. You would guess that they are on more than two legs is the best way to put it. You don't know exactly how many legs, but you know they were on more than two. Because of just how they, like, the lightning illuminated them. Shit. Says out loud very quiet to himself. Is it about the four hour mark now? Uh, it's been three and a half hours. Just gonna go back to. Peering out the window, but way, way more alert than he was before that last flash. Uh, Virian, give me another perception check, please. Still normally? Yep. Ooh, that's Virian, as you very poignantly stare out this window, the lightning flashes again, and you see these six figures have definitely moved closer, and they seem to have split into two groups of three as they've moved closer towards this metal building. And as they move closer, you can see that they're on four legs, but they are absolutely massive. And as you, the lightning, the thunder rumbles for a second, you then hear coming across the air once again, a whistle. As all six of these creatures, you see three of them charge towards the front of this building where you guys came in. And you see the other three trying to rush around the side of this building. Shit. I mean this in the nicest way possible. I basically kick Wyatt. Ah! <laughs> Wyatt! Wyatt's fucking Virion, what's wrong? Virion, can I get a nature check real quick before you say what you're about to say? That is a flat 10. That's fine. You didn't need a lot. Virion, as you kick Wyatt, you realize what you saw out there were the creatures known as bullets. Monstrous, mole-like, vicious creatures that have huge, sharp claws, uh, tunnel underground, and, in general, travel alone. 
How do I spell that song? B U L E T T E. Six of them. They look like that. Ain't that just cute? Um. I do put my hand over Wyatt's mouth to stop him chatting. Wyatt, the things are here. They're coming around the building. Okay. Tonight, I know he's asleep, but can I still send a message to Damien? Oh, you can send a message to Damien. But it will have to be next time on Escape from Wolfarm. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of uh, of Dungeons and Junkies. Um, we'll go on the table now and um, just give our social information. And we'll start with Chad. Hello, I'm Chad. And today I played, insert name here, and I had a very wonderful time doing it. I hope you enjoyed me playing insert name here. If you would like to hear me on any other podcast, check me out on Visionaries Global Media. And of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR2P0. Always a good time. Caitlin. What up, mortals? I'm Caitlin. Uh, I've... I've been here. <laughs> That's my. I run a separate TTRPG podcast featuring all of these wonderful lot called Dice and Suffering. It's where my D and D campaign is. It's also where we play Blades in the Dark, featuring clowns and hookers and lasagna. And no, none of that makes sense. It barely makes sense to me, and I I listen to it. I also write articles about games and mental health on themindgame.org. Woo. End transmission. <laughs> Kerry. Hello, I'm Kerry. Like everyone else here, I don't really have any big projects going on. I'm just the one they kind of can't get rid of. Anyway, I'm Shira Beans on Twitter, where I lurk a lot and post very little. But I also get to supervise the Dungeons and Junkies art Instagram, which is just Dungeon Junkies on Instagram. Goodbye. See you later. Alex. Yes, I am Alex, and I play insert name here as to copy Chaz's trend because that was a pretty cool trend uh, you can find me at Spiderbread UK on Twitter you can find our main show at Game Junkies Pod and you can find this ever-growing collection of Dungeons & Dragons content on Dungeons & Junkies indeed you can find me at Matt at UK thank you again to everybody for listening thank you to everybody who's playing and uh, we're out of here podcast was brought to you by me, Chad, in conjunction with Visionaries Global Media and Mad Attack Productions.